I'm going to give you uh, today just some principles for a changing of seasons. Uh, I, I do this. This is a broken record message. Uh, I do this before, uh, after uh, every semester. Uh, try to remind you of some of these principles. I think these are really important things to remember uh, when a season is changing. And so let's just define that a little bit because uh, some of us uh, are not affected by school ending uh, or by finals week. Uh, but we all, every one of us in, in our lives, and you will continue to have these moments where a season of your life ends and a new one begins. Sometimes they're really easy to measure because uh, sometimes they, uh, you know, a season begins or, or ends in, uh, with uh, the mark of a relationship or a new job or you're moving somewhere. So, you know, sometimes they're really easy to, uh, to identify. Uh, sometimes seasons of life change are, are a little more subtle. Uh, they're internal. They're spiritual. They're, uh, they're, it's, it's new direction in our life. It's, uh, it, it, it's uh, just general life change, but it's, but it's more subtle. But either way... Uh, I really believe that uh, God works in seasons, um, that there will, be, there will be seasons of our life. God will be doing things uh, in your life for a season, and then those things are intended to bear fruit. There's a season for that growth. There's a season for that uh, cultivating the soil where that growth is going to happen. And then there's a season for whatever it is that God's doing for that to bear fruit. And, on, and the, everything that God does in your life is intended to bear fruit. So know that, that everything that you've written down on your card the purpose of that is for it to bear fruit in the kingdom. Uh, that, that God has not just done a solitary action inside of you that's never going to come out. There's, there's no such thing as that in the kingdom. That everything that God does is meant to bear the fruit of the spirit, fruit of the kingdom of heaven. Um, and, and it's to produce. So um, what I want to hopefully walk you through today is just some principles for what is it kind of what does it look like to sustain what God is doing and also to uh, to move into a new season because I think this is really challenging what is going to happen to you is um, as you and a lot of you are that your see the season of life is changing just because of the school schedule so even if you're even if you're staying in Nacogdoches you're a student you're staying in Nacogdoches you're staying in the same house with the same roommates and everything your classes are going to change. The rhythm of your life is going to change. So there, there is going to be change. There's going to be a new season. Now, one of the things that throws us off a lot of times in new seasons, the first thing I want to warn you about, uh, is the testing that's going to come uh, based on the work that God has done in your life in this last season. So whatever you wrote on your card, if, that, if, you, if you wrote on your card and uh, some things that, that you've experienced God do, um, in this last season, I want you to know and go ahead and get okay with, because some of us, it makes us a, a little anxious. Those things will be tested. Okay. Once you go to book of James chapter one, I want to talk first a little bit about, about testing. Because what we, what we don't want to do is we don't want to become people that, that start to treat God like a vending machine. And what I mean by that is we don't want to uh, always come to God and go, okay, here, what, today, God, what do I want? Oreos, E5, right? Uh, and, and here come the Oreos. Great, I enjoy them for, listen, for the moment. And then the next day I come back and now I want, what do you like out of a vending machine? What? Somebody had an answer quick. <laughs> What'd you say? Okay, somebody, vending machine? Reese's, okay? So I don't feel like those would go well in the vending machine, like rotate and Cheetos. Cheetos. Okay, so we get the Cheetos. E7, right? That's what I'm feeling like today. Here's the point. That 
We treat God like, like that a lot of times where it's like, today, God, I need you to help me uh, to have a, have a fresh perspective in this relationship or this difficult time in my life. Okay, good. You know, God, do that, work that. And then tomorrow I come back and something new. I want something new. The, the problem with that is it's not, not that it's wrong to ask God for something new every day. His mercy is new every morning. The problem is what we're not doing is we're not sticking around long enough for God to actually teach us something and for us to grow deep in what God is saying. That we shift seasons, it's like, okay, that's done, and now, and now move on. And we don't really ever get deep in the things that God does. We amass a lot of different lessons we've learned, but if they're all shallow, we've got a problem. We want to we be able to press into the Lord enough to where the things that God does have time and space to go deep in us. I promise you, you want, you want depth in the things that God is doing in your life. And I want to show you this. So in, in the book of James, the first chapter, you guys there? It says, count it all joy. This is verse 2. Count it all joy. Note that word, joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I love that he says various kinds. Don't always read trials as bad circumstances, Okay. There are various kinds of trials. And listen to what he says in verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith, what does it produce? Yeah, you see that? That's why you want depth. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then look at this in verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect. You see, there's a long process there. Steadfastness is coming back over and over and over again. It's staying in something for a long period of time. And he says steadfastness is going to have a full effect. I can't know steadfastness in a thing in a week, right? Steadfastness takes place over a long period of time. And it says that it's going to have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who wants that? Y'all crazy. That's a good one. But what's it going to take? Be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What's it going to take? It's going to take depth over a long period of time. Steadfastness has to have its full effect. And what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to get okay. In order for steadfastness to occur, we're going to have to get okay with testing. He says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds because testing produces steadfastness. So steadfastness is this thing that we want. Think about what God is teaching you. Do you want steadfastness in it? Yeah. Meaning, do you want it to repeat itself over and over, regardless of situation? Do you want that thing that God is teaching you to, to remain regardless of the season that you're in? Yeah. So what do we need? What is it, what's going to have to happen in order for steadfastness to occur? Testing. That thing's going to have to undergo some issues. Some trouble, some testing. It's going to have to be stretched. You're going to have to know that it works in every situation. That testing, and that's why we're we're joyous about the testing, because the testing produces steadfastness. Because steadfastness says, I know that this applies regardless of where I'm at. Maybe I've learned about the faithfulness of God this semester that I haven't seen in in any any way uh, before, like any way before in my life. The faithfulness of God. Do I want to be steadfast in my leaning on the faithfulness of God? Yeah. So what's going to have to happen? 
that, that my understanding of his faithfulness is going to have to be tested. Count it joy when it's tested. Because when, it t- when it's tested, guess what? The kingdom of God, it endures. And then I know the depth of God's faithfulness in a way that I would have never known absent that testing. You see it? And why does that produce steadfastness? Because now I've seen the depth of God's faithfulness in a new situation. And so I'm convinced that in the one I haven't seen yet, it will be there. You see it? We need steadfastness in the body of Christ. We don't need just a lot of little trinket knowledge about God, things that I can just repeat about God, but I don't know in a deep life experience way. We need steadfastness in the body of Christ. I would rather you be steadfast in the simple things than profoundly knowledgeable in all the complicated things. You with me? The most profound people I've ever met in my life that have impacted my life forever, that have impacted the lives of uh, uh, people forever, some of them have been in your midst, well, I'll, I'll give you two, and we're just going to keep bragging on them. Otis and Ethel Wheeler. You're not going to sit down with Otis and Ethel, and they're not going to give you, like, a history of theology. They're not going to give you all of these facts. But you want to know what they are? They're steadfast in righteousness. In every single season of their life, you see it bearing fruit over and over and over again. That is a profound kingdom life. That's what we want. Okay? That's what we want. So count it joy to be tested. Don't, now, and the reason I'm talking about this in season change is because it will be tested. You're changing environment. Some of you are going home. Some of you are going uh, on the mission field. Some of you, that's the same thing. Some of you are staying here. Whatever it is, life is changing. And so the things that God has done, they, there will be tension against those things. And some of the tension is, are you just going to be apathetic? Are you going to forget? That's part of the tension. Some of it's going to be direct challenge. This is what you know about God, and now it's being directly challenged. Your circumstances say that what you thought you knew about God is not true anymore. And you're going to have to fight and press in and to know that what God, who God is does ne- never changes regardless of this circumstance, and I'm going to have to press in in a new way. We need to know that testing comes in, uh, in the change of seasons, but, but testing produces fruit. And we're joyful because we know that testing has, is allowed by God. You know, and G- Jesus talks about pruning. And which are the branches that he says that he's going to prune? What, what are the qualifications? You remember? Which ones get to be pruned? The ones that are bearing fruit. The ones that are not bearing fruit are, are not the ones that he says he's pruning. Those are the ones he says he cuts off and throws away. It's the ones that are producing fruit that he says need pruning. Why? Because if it's producing fruit, what does pruning allow that branch to do? Produce more. Create increase. God is always wanting to increase the fruit of the kingdom in your life. And so what we do is we we start producing fruit. We get pretty happy with that. And then God comes and tests and prunes and we go, "Ah, am I in trouble? No, this is reward. (laughs) That pruning is a reward for bearing fruit. And pruning often comes in testing. And that's why we get to count it all joy. Because testing, pruning, is a reward of God for the increase of fruit in our lives. I think that's kind of a separator. I think that kind of tells us who really wants growth or not. Right? Are you willing to be pruned? Are you willing for that testing, for that sifting to occur in your life? 
I think it's a good, a good measure of where we are with the Lord is do we want God to prune things in our lives? Do we want God to take away in order that more fruit would be produced? So that's one thing. Know that there will be testing. Know it now. Be ready to position yourself in an attitude of joy. Right now, go ahead and decide. The testing maybe hasn't started, but I am going to choose to be joyful when it comes because I know that though it might be difficult, it will bear more fruit of the kingdom. Y'all good with that? So that's one thing we have to know in season change. The next one is, this is a, this is a warning. Go to uh, the first chapter of Galatians. Paul's giving an account here of, of his story. And we, we know this, uh, this story probably pretty well, uh, where, where Paul meets Christ uh, on the road. He has this in, in, incredible encounter with God. And is the, you know, it's a blinding light. And the question of why are you persecuting me totally changes the, the entire trajectory of his life. He goes from a persecutor of, uh, of Christians a zealous uh, Jew to this guy who's now preaching the gospel uh, to both Jew and Gentile. Uh, his life is radically changed in this moment. In the wake of that moment, he, he, so he's writing uh, to the church at Galatia, and here's, here's what he says kind of in the, in, as the, he's closing the, the story. Look at verse 15. But when he who had, uh, sorry, chapter 1. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Look at this. I did not immediately consult with anyone. The King James, I I love the way it says it. It says, did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. It says, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And he goes on to continue to tell the story. What I want to show you, I think is so, so, so important, is when he says that I did not immediately confer with flesh in blood. When God did what he did in me, when he revealed Christ to me and showed me where I was going, called me into the kingdom and said, this is who I've called you to be. This is the direction of your life. This is what you've been, he, he says, set aside to do. God who had set me apart before I was born. This is who God had called me to be. He says, it's really interesting. He says, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I didn't consult with anyone. Here's the warning. The warning is that lots of times what we like to do when God does something radical and different in our lives, the thing that we're tempted to do is we're tempted to consult with flesh and blood. We're tempted to kind of have a discussion about it and go, Sam, here's kind of what happened. What do you think? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to rationalize this thing that God has done and 
kind of take it from where it exists, which is in the kingdom of heaven. It's a spiritual thing that God has done. And we're trying to bring it into the natural realm and understand it. We're trying to wrap our minds around it. And, we're, and ultimately what we're really trying to do is we're trying to, it starts with a C, we're trying to control it. If I can understand what God is doing, if I can perceive what God is doing, I can control it. Let me just tell you, here's the warning. Your flesh loves control. Your flesh loves to be in charge. Your flesh does not do well when it does not know what is coming and does not understand what's being said. But here's the problem. The scripture tells us that the flesh can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It can't receive them. It can't understand them. What you wrote on that card is something that God has done in a supernatural way. Now, it may be something that affects you very practically. You may say, well, my relationship with my roommate, that's not supernatural. But wait a minute. Are you sure? Because a relationship in and of itself may not be a supernatural thing. But God changing you, shaping you into the image of his son in the midst of that relationship is a supernatural work. You bearing fruit according to the kingdom in that relationship is a supernatural work. God calling you and asking you to lay down your life in service on behalf of your roommate so that he might be made known is a supernatural act that your flesh would never come up with on its own. Y'all with me? So even in the practical things that God is doing, understand that they're birthed first in the spiritual. They play out, and I've shown you this on that faith diagram. They play out in the flesh, but they originate in the spirit of God. And what we can't begin to do is we can't begin to receive things of God and then then, uh, naturalize them, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what a good word for that is. Make them logical. Make them to where, okay, I can wrap my head completely around this, understand it, and now control it. Paul said, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. What would have happened if he'd have gone to his friends and said, here's the deal. Jesus just radically showed up to me on the road, blinded me. You can see the scales of my eyes. He's called me to preach his name to the Gentiles. And what what would be the question? What do you think? Well, bro, I think we need to get your eyes checked. And I think that sounds like a terrible idea. Because do you know who you are? Like you have a heritage here. You have a name to live up to. You're somebody in this, in this culture. You'll be throwing it all away. You see where that conversation could go really wrong? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, that might mean destruction for my, for my future. That might mean throwing away my inheritance. Paul had a lot to lose here. Had he rationalized, he would have dumbed down what God had said, and he would have either lived in a very small amount of it, or he would have lost it altogether. Here's all I'm saying. God has done incredible things in your life. Remember, it's not about the size of the thing. It's not about, oh my gosh, I know what my future is going to be. If God has changed your attitude in any tiny and small way, it's been because God The God of the universe has worked in your life, and that's a massive thing. Do not confer with flesh and blood. Do not rationalize away the work that God has done in your life so that you can control that call, so that you can control what God is doing. You will either totally walk away from what God has done, or you'll minimize it in such a way 
that, it, that, that it almost doesn't even look like what God has done in your life. Paul spent three years away receiving what God had done. And the reason that I tell you this is because uh, this is, and this could probably be in that category of testing. Uh, but but how do we how do we confer with flesh and blood? Well, one of the things I think we do is we try to we try to rationalize to the the call of Christ on our life to make things uh, culturally normal to fit in, right? This extreme life and devotion to Jesus is not culturally normal, so we try to we try to rationalize it down to where uh, to where I fit. And the other thing is, I think we we make this statement a lot, just like Eve did. Well, here's what God must have meant when He said, "So I got to make sense of it. I got to control it." The reason that this is important in the change of seasons is because right now you're kind of in this perfect little environment. And the environment that hopefully you're in is one that, that really fosters spiritual growth. Hopefully right now you've developed a community of people, and, and some of you may not be in this situation. That's okay. I'm praying that this comes um, over time. But you're, hopefully you're in a situation where, man, God does something radical in your life. There's some people you go to and, uh, that, that, are, uh, that are in agreement with that, that are, yes, you know, championing that cause uh, of, of God, what, what God's calling you to, and you're kind of in this perfect bubble. Well, guess what? You're going to leave this little Nacogdoches bubble. And, and some of you are going to go back into uh, a bubble where the things of God are not received at all. Some of you are going to go back into a bubble where the, uh, the things of God are just kind of treated with apathy. Some of you are going to go back into a, a bubble where they still think you're the old you. We talked about this a little bit last night. Some, the people that you're going to be around, I don't, know, I don't know where you're going and what you're doing, but the people you're going to be around have no idea what's happened to you over the last six months. Absolutely no idea. Their image of you is still the you that they knew whenever that was. And so what they're going to be trying to do, and it'll be subtle, they're not going to be doing this in an ugly way. You may encounter some people that just absolutely hate God in your life, and, and some of you may encounter those. But it's in more of a subtle way. They're not encouraging, they're not fostering the change that has been made in you. They're not, they're not fanning the flame of what God has done. And so by nature, you kind of get less zealous about it. No one's talking about it, no one's really pushing me in it, no one's you know, doing this, this, and this in my life. And so by nature, I can, and it'll happen quick, I'm telling you, and you'll realize it at the end of the summer. Some of you have been through summers like this. We start to come back to school and you go, man, I just, what happened over these last three months? Like, I just kind of drifted, drifted, drifted. I didn't go rob a bank or anything, but I certainly didn't grow in the same way that I was growing where I was. And what happened is we start to rationalize. We start to confer with flesh and blood. We stop pressing into the thing that God is doing and we let our environment begin to dictate our growth. I think it's important that you realize, so Paul went away 
for three years. He understood that it's possible that my, that my environment can dictate my growth, and he became proactive about his environment not dictating his growth. Here's a question for you. Over this summer, how are you going to be proactive in not letting your environment dictate your growth, even if you're in a great one? Even if you're in a phenomenal environment, if you rely only on that environment for you to grow, you're not going to grow. It takes you. (laughs) Your environment is not going to produce fruit of the Spirit in you on an accident. How are you going to be this summer proactive in not letting your environment dictate your growth? If I'm going to be in a hostile environment, how am I going to get away? How am I going to spend time in the Lord fueling what He's done in me? How am I going to focus on the things that are in that card? How am I going to focus on the things that God is doing? We have to be proactive or our environment will dictate what we're doing. The last thing I want to encourage you on uh, is, is really, I think, a, uh, a mandate that comes from the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Jesus tells his disciples, and it's a command to us, to make disciples of all nations. I love the way that Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. So go to 2 Corinthians. We read this all the time here. Chapter 5. Let's just start in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We've spent some time on that in these last several weeks, haven't we? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. I think in changes of season, it's easy for us to lose sight of the goal. It's easy for us to lose sight of the target, of what are we moving towards? What is the assignment? The reason I think this is tricky is because your environment changes. And so because your environment changes, we're tempted to ask this question, has the mission changed? We kind of get thrown off. When our circumstances change, we get thrown off and we start to kind of ask this question, well, what am I supposed to be doing? what's, What's really supposed to be taking place here? And we lose lots of time because we're asking that question. The reality is the answer to that question does not change. You may be moving all the way across the world. You are still commanded to make disciples of all nations. You have still been given the ministry of reconciliation. It may change in the way that it looks, but the target, the goal, the mission, the objective has not changed, will not change. 
God, no matter where you are, is making his appeal through you for people to be reconciled to him through Christ. That will not change. Don't lose your fervency for that purpose because your environment changes. Don't get caught in that moment where it's like, okay, now I live in a new place. I wonder what I'm supposed to be doing. Don't get caught there. Start by knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that God is going to use me to bring others to him for them to be reconciled to God through Christ. I know that that is the case. So what am I going to spend time doing? God, how do you want to use me in this environment? Start there. Don't start questioning, what am I supposed to do? You'd be amazed how much time we lose in what am I supposed to do? And some of you, that's going to be really challenging because you're going to go into things that are mundane. I think that's where this challenges us the most. If you're going to go like work at PetSmart for the summer, that's a mundane thing. Unless you're like PetSmart person. I just made that up, but I worked at Old Navy. (laughs) Mundane. (laughs) Fold, fold, fold. That's my job, eight hours a day, right? mundane things can often bring us to that question, well, what am I supposed to do? And we lose an extraordinary amount of time there. There's nothing, listen, there is no mundane thing in the kingdom. There's none. There's no corner of the earth that you can go that has less value in the kingdom. God desires for all places and all people to be reconciled to him in Christ Jesus. So where you are, no matter where it is, and no matter how mundane the task is, it is, it is an important and valued place in the kingdom. The lives that you're going to come across while checking people out at the PetSmart and petting their dog that may have just peed on the floor. Now you got to go clean it up, right? That's a mundane, annoying thing. I don't know why I'm on the PetSmart deal. But that is an annoying and mundane thing. And we might be tempted to go, God, why am I even here? The answer is already. You've been given the, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Make disciples of all nations. Don't ask. I'm not trying to be rude. It's quit asking. Rather, God, use me in this mundane place. Bring the kingdom of heaven in the Dallas, Texas PetSmart. Like, come on. Do something supernatural in this place. None of the places in Scripture are, I mean, are significant. Really? I mean... None of, the, none of the places where Jesus was, none of the things, uh, none of the environments that he, were, that he was in were significant in and of themselves. What made them incredible? Jesus showed up and brought the kingdom in that place. Like there was even points where, and I, I'm blank on the city. There's even points where they ask, does any, Nazareth, Right? They, they say, wait a minute, they say this is Jesus of Nazareth, and they go, wait a minute, does anything good come out of there? I mean, what, what's the emphasis here? That's the backside of nowhere that doesn't matter at all. What made it significant? Not the place. It's who was there. It's that the kingdom came in that place. Here's the deal. God wants the kingdom to come wherever you're at. That's the purpose. In this transition, Begin to ask God, God, use me wherever I'm going. And if it's mundane, get excited. (laughs) Because there is nothing cooler 
than the Spirit of God bringing the kingdom in a mundane, normal place. The kingdom of God could show up in PetSmart because you're paying attention. Right? The kingdom of God could show up in your home because you're paying attention. Don't lose time with that question, what am I supposed to be doing? Don't discount the normal, ordinary places. Okay, I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Man, I love you guys. I am uh, I'm honored and thankful for the chance to get to chat with you every week. And uh, I know that the next time uh, that we're together, this group won't look the same. And that's exciting too. Uh, let the Lord send you to wherever you're going. Uh, count it as significant because God wants to use you there. Uh, let God deepen the things that he's done in you in this last season, whatever that's been. Those things that are on that card, press into those. Ask God for those things to grow deep roots. And when they're tested, count it joy. Fair? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. God, thank you for, uh, for seasons. Thank you for growth in those seasons. Thank you for everything. Just as Melina prayed, thank you for every single thing that's written on that card. What an incredible truth to know that those things are written on that card because the God of the universe showed up in our lives. You love us that much to come into the normal, everyday spaces of our lives and change us. So God, we are so thankful for that. I pray for every, uh, every person in here, God, just and, and especially right now, uh, our students who are moving into finals week, and then uh, a lot of change, uh, maybe moving home, maybe staying here, maybe roommates changing, all sorts of things changing. God, just pray that they would remain steadfast in you during all this change. We pray for travel and uh, for safety there. Uh, we ask for uh, for favor in all the areas that we're going, in families and mission fields and in new classes, new roommates, all this. But we just ask for favor that you uh, would do a work in us that brings others to you. And let's pray for, uh, just for uh, an extreme boldness. That the days are few, our breath is short, and the opportunity is now to preach the gospel. So I pray for just an extreme level of boldness in declaring the truth of the cross of Jesus. Pray a blessing over each of these and thank you for their lives. And, uh, and just ask for a fruitful summer of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all have fun. Tear up those finals. Join us for lunch after church. See you soon.